0: When you say you're self-employed, someone will say, translated in English, they'd say like, oh, and your business is working.
1: You're listening to The Enterprising Expat, stories of women who packed up their lives and moved abroad for love, a job, or a fresh start. What does it take to build a new life and business in a new country? What does it take to go from finding your feet to
0: thriving? Find out how each woman did it. Be inspired, whether you're an expat or digital nomad, to bloom where you're planted.
1: Hi, Brittany. Welcome to the Enterprising Expat. Please just take a moment to tell us who you are and
0: also what you do. Yeah, well, my name is Brittany and I'm a Canadian living abroad in France and I am a filmmaker, a producer and a story mentor for artists and entrepreneurs. So I love creating films of all types, short films, music videos, brand videos for my clients. And um, really at the heart of my work is just helping my clients share their story, awaken their voice, show up on camera, and uh, just really feel at home with themselves and how they're, how they're presenting themselves in the world.
1: That's awesome. That's great. Okay. <laughs> I <kept it> <laughs> Let's just go through it. Tell me how you got to France. I moved here
0: just over 10 years ago for school. And I had been doing an exchange program. And at the end of it, I just something called me here. And I knew that I wanted to continue my journey in France. As a little girl, I just had always been, I guess, into like French culture and always make this joke like that I had a past life here. (laughs) So maybe some like unfinished business that I had to come back to. I mean, who knows? But Somehow I've been able to renew my visa every year and I was on a student visa for uh, probably like five or six of those years. And then I changed to a business visa back in 2017, maybe. And uh, yeah, I've just been
1: been grateful every year I get that visa renewed. (laughs) Let's talk about that, because that can be an issue for some people. So There are a lot of women who are wondering like where to get started with their expat business. What is that process like? What was it like for you to change from student to business owner?
0: I mean, I think that anytime you're dealing with a different country, you have to be really like mindful and respectful of that country and their process. And you kind of, in France, everything's very like fit into a box. And so, and that was very counterintuitive. To me, when you're working with paperwork, especially in France, you're suddenly having to like really fit tight into this box where you're like, well, this, this isn't my work or I wouldn't put myself in this category. And so something I say to even just friends who ask is that it's almost a sacrifice. I think people don't talk about that very often because Mm -hmm. I know we had talked about this previously, but I ended up doing a double master's degree. I ended up doing two more years in a second master's degree program just to get my visa renewed um, so that I could stay. So I extended my student visa and, and I also was 24 at that time. So I was still young. I was fresh, you know, you're, you're learning the process.
1: Absolutely.
0: And, um, yeah, I kind of just had to, you know, I say I had to make a few sacrifices because I have eight years of like post-secondary education. It's like, how did this happen? It's like the length of high school somehow. So that wasn't really my intention when I, because I had ran a business prior in Canada and it's different when you're in a foreign country and then as a foreigner running a business, you have a different process than if you were French. So I had a
1: huge whack of paperwork to get through What's the environment like for somebody who is self-employed where you are? Not a lot of people are self-employed.
0: And a common question that people, when you say you're self-employed, someone will say, translated in English, they'd say like, oh, and your business is working. And it's like, it's such a culturally like normal question. Like, hey, how are you? (laughs) But like, at least in Canada, like you don't, I mean, you can say, how is your business doing? But yes, yes. It's the intention's different. Here it's like, you know, it's that oh what's that expression about like oh it's I I lost it. Um misery misery loves company. So they're they're <laughs> asking the question in a sense that's like they're expecting you to say like, ah, oh, not so well. So then you guys can like build your connection through this, like the misery of the French system.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But then you're there and you're like, yeah, it's going well. And you're feeling sunny. And, you know, it's like, yeah, I worked hard for this. I'm celebrating it. Why wouldn't I be happy about this? So are your clients international and, and how do you reach them? Or are you also working with locals who have the same kind of mindset as you?
0: Yeah. I mean, both. When I first started, I kind of saw my business as like two different businesses. So I was working online. I had done Marie Forleo's program back in 2014. So I was working on helping people with branding. So that was international. And then I was working locally with actors and I was doing monthly and weekly um, workshops. And so that was very local. And then sometimes I just had like referral clients because they saw how I was building up this, this comp- company where I used to live in Nice. I'm in Paris now, um and then finally, over the years, I kind of like merged it together and was just like, this is the production company, and here are the different offers that we have, and here's the different ways that we work with people. so a lot of it is international, but then anytime I'm doing film it's it's local, but I have really worked hard to establish myself as an international brand, and so I will travel so i've you know, been to Amsterdam, to London, to California. Um, anytime I travel, I announce my dates, and I'll just book clients abroad, or they'll come to Paris
1: if they want to film something. So it's kind of a mix of both. That that's amazing because I think. Sometimes when we think of a business, we focus so much on just our community and who's in front of us. Um, Mm. So was it always the intention to offer to an international audience or did you just see an opportunity and say, hey, what if I tried this?
0: Mm, That's a good question. I I think. So, again, back in 2014, I would have been probably 24, I think. Yeah. And I didn't. I didn't know what online business was. I didn't, I didn't, yeah, it was brand new to me. So I went through a a pretty big learning curve. Um, as I think most people probably did at that time, because things were still pretty new. I mean, newish, like I think online business kind of really started taking off in maybe 2012, but the scariest thing after university was like, oh my God, how am I going to like run this business? And I just had no idea. So I I think that's why um, the program B-School was really eye-opening
1: for me because I learned, I realized what was possible. Yeah. Did you find it a little bit nerve wracking to be a pioneer, if you like? Because 2012 was was early. Sometimes we want to look towards somebody we know who's kind of, you know, has a path to follow. Um, and as much as we you worked through B-School, was, was it nerve wracking to be the pioneer in your own environment? Like, because there wasn't anybody's trail that you were following.
0: I think that was actually the hardest part because I was trying to figure out what my path was. And at that time, like a lot of people were coming out with these very like masculine business structures of like, this is the way it has to be. And I actually felt like really discouraged and I felt like a fraud because I, I didn't have that online business experience. And for some reason I wasn't acknowledging the, I think we also talked about this last time as well. I ran a local business um, in Canada when I was 18, 19, 20 and we didn't use words like six figures and like just all of this jargon that was so foreign to me. So I didn't even feel that I was like credible or had experience to like run an online business. And I actually look back at that now and I'm like, wow, I see now how my first business experience like has been so just so pivotal in everything that I stand for now. Like I, I had a team of four employees, like I had over 500 customers at one point. And I'm like, why wasn't I like acknowledging that (laughs) starting an online
1: business? So absolutely. Absolutely. There, there are just two things you mentioned that the first one was like, just acknowledging that like 500 customers is a lot. I, I would also need a team to deal with those people. And then the second part is, what was the process you, you went through to close out those voices? Like you said, it's a kind of masculine energy, like this is the only way it's done. How did you find your own path? What was that like?
0: Oh my goodness! I'm still on that path, and I still to this day challenge people to like. So first of all, when I referenced six figures in my first business, that was sales, not profit. Yes, I my profit margin. I mean it. It was different, but um, I I question like, what does who who decided that this was a landmark or milestone of success? That's something that when I look back to the beginning of my journey, like when, again, when I was 24, like even earning 5,000 a month, like what was I going to do with all that money? That was not my driving force or my ambition. And so again, it's understanding like, well, what is your driving force? I mean, I think for me, it was like, I want to find a way to be creative and, and essentially be paid <laughs> for what I'm doing. But it wasn't like hardcore goals. Like I have to hit these numbers I, I remember those milestones, like my first 5k month. I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. Was it sustainable? No, you have to go there <laughs> a learning curve <laughs> yeah. to figure that out. But um, I think now it's just, again, it's taking away those labels. Like I used to think that I had to flash numbers around in my business and it really always felt uncomfortable just mm-hmm. because that's not what my brand promises. But I felt like, because that's what everyone... Um, preaches all the time. So it's, again, it was like learning how to quiet down those voices and, and listen to yourself. And then the other just big piece I want to add to that is that when you do hit those five figure months, it does feel amazing. But I also know that I, I still don't need to use that in my marketing. I still don't need to preach that from the rooftops. And that's how I know that I feel whole in myself because I don't need to use these things to prove myself, to get clients. Cause that's
1: not, not my end goal. I love
0: I mean, it. Not, yeah.
1: <laughs> I love it. It's like, I, I just love what you said about you wanted to um, make a living through being creative. And that's what you chose as your goal. I think sometimes we need to tell people that that's, that's valid. It doesn't always have to be about, It doesn't have to be a goal that you've read somewhere. (laughs) Like the goal that that's inside of you is valid and probably you will work harder at it when it's something that you define for yourself. Yeah, so (laughs) tell me about, the pivots in your business? Because I mean, like you said, you were fresh, you were young, and there's a whole lot of personal growth going on in your early twenties as well. Yeah. <laughs> you started with one idea and then how did it evolve into what it is now?
0: You know what? I think when I first started my business, like I always knew what I wanted to do. But I hadn't yet had the experience, like the embodied experience to actually teach it and guide people in that way. And so when I'm, it's funny, I'm writing a sales page right now, or even if I just look at my work, I'm like, this is exactly what I was talking about six years ago, but I just didn't have the words for it. (laughs) And so I just thought that was really interesting because um, I've always loved helping people get clear on you know, not just the story they're putting in the world, but the story they're telling themselves. And like, that sounds really pretty in theory, but when you're 24, fresh out of school, and you're still on your own journey, I wanted to help people in that way, but I wasn't there yet. And so I had what I call a shadow career. (laughs) And I was doing a lot of design work for clients because again, I'm very artistic. um, And I kind of hid behind that. Because I could provide my clients with something tangible. And then when I was doing these workshops, we were working with actors and we were working on camera. And it's so funny because I actually would hire out uh, freelancers to come in and film. Like again, I still didn't think, hmm, I have this film degree. Why am I not filming myself? Why am I not using my skill (laughs) set? Right. And um, I ended up buying a starter camera and then, you know, moving up into the more professional gear and it really was a learning experience because the more i was working with actors in like demo reels and working on scenes like a lot of what i what i was teaching them was how to know themselves better so that they can explore themselves in their characters and that's not much different from the work i do with my clients branding except they're just not playing characters they're being themselves because i did that for 2 years i had i literally felt like i was being paid to learn so I built up this community in Nice with my colleague and I don't know how many, probably like did 40 different like mini short films. So I mastered how to operate the camera, how to edit all these things so that when I finally did start offering like professional video production, I could charge thousands of dollars because I, I knew that that's what it was worth and that I was capable and I had that confidence. So, so much of this is such, it's just a journey. And that's why I think sometimes when people say, oh, just hire a coach, they'll get you there. Like sometimes you just need the life experience. Sometimes a coach or a mentor can't give that to you. Like you just have to live your path.
1: Yes. So. <laughs> I yeah. have a love-hate relationship with coaches, so I understand thoroughly what you mean.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I mean, that being said, I, one of my mentors I did work with in 2018, I think it was the first mentor I ever worked with, actually. So to give you a timeline, started mm-hmm. business 2014, first mentor 2018. <laughs> and she was the first one who um, guided me and said, "If you want to run an international film company, this is how you do it." Because she had been a um, award-winning photographer right. in her previous career, so she did. You know, once I had cultivated that skill set and I was ready to fly, mm. she did help me on that path of like, "This is how you do it. This is how you find clients internationally." So, but if I had come into contact with her even two years prior, I wouldn't have been ready.
1: Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, know. and <laughs> also. I like that you make the, you mark the difference between a mentor and a coach. I like how you've talked about how you developed and your business grew and matured as you grew and matured. And it took, like you said, from 2012, actually not even 2014 from 2012 until 2018, before you were like making these strides. And I think, um, That's an important lesson in yes, start a business, but it's okay if it takes time as long as you are moving forward.
0: Yeah. And a lot of that also is cultural, right? Because I was 20 when I moved to France. So I was very much in this culture of we don't have pride over what we do. We don't talk about what we do. We don't talk about money. We don't even aim to make lots of money. So in those like really formative years, like 24, 25, 26, Mm. I had. I had already been so immersed in the French way of of being and living that I had lost my like because I mean North America, right? We're we're a little bit more flashy, so I had lost that part of me, and I was really playing small, and I didn't I didn't recognize that because I was just kind of adapted to my environment. So again, like I wouldn't have even energetically been able to hold space um, to experience success in that way when I was that age. So again, like understanding the the voices that you hear about the standards of success. Like it's not that success wasn't meant for me. It's just that it just came later and that was the way that it was meant to be. So yeah, um, you can't like guilt or shame yourself over your journey, because I think a lot of the times, it, you know, it's like that quote um, about what goes on the overnight success. Yes. Like it took me 10 years or whatever to be an overnight success. It's so
1: true. Like, Exactly. Also, you, you defined success for yourself. It it was like, and I get it, like being an environment where, like you said, you live there, so you have to adapt and you are more impressionable. So you will take on the thoughts and culture of the place that you're living in. Um, And then just defining what you want success to mean for you is not always easy when you are impressionable because you still are impressionable when you're in your early twenties, everything is about pleasing other people and and how it looks to other people and all of that kind of crap. (laughs) Yes, totally. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay. So yeah. And then the idea about, you know, we don't talk about money. That's another thing that I find there's a parallel in my culture. Like we don't talk about money, like, you know, who's got it and who doesn't, but, nobody ever has open conversations about it. Um, mm-hmm. So when you come back to to Canada, do you feel it's it's easier to talk about your successes and celebrate it? Do you have a community here that supports you in doing that? Yeah,
0: I mean, I think I feel... Definitely, I remember being at a conference last year, and I was celebrating my five-year business anniversary. And it was, it I was like, yeah, I made it past the five-year mark. Like I was really proud talking about my business, and then I recognized that after. So I was like, oh wow, I'm so used to talking myself down all the time because, again, that's how people connect here in France. (laughs) So it it really does. Honestly, though, like conscious language, this has been a big lesson for me it really does make a difference though, because how you talk about your business and your clients and your mission and your purpose and all these buzzwords I'm spewing out right now. (laughs) um, It really does like reflect your belief system and your kind of thermometer for success. And um, yeah, that was, that was huge for me. So when I could really step into that confidence again, it comes back to like owning my accomplishments and just, you know, being able to say it without um, the subculture of like the envy so, let's pivot a little bit.
1: Tell me about your your expat life. Well obviously, you decided to settle and grow your business there but i'm I'm assuming that there was a chance for mobility after you graduated so what were the things that made you choose to grow this business in France and stay in France?
0: Really interesting question. I remember back in the day actually wanting to apply for a school in the UK, I think I did have like a period of soul searching and I didn't really know where to go. I think in that frame of mind that I was in is I didn't want to go back to Canada. Mm -hmm. And when I talked about making sacrifices earlier, what I mean by that is when you're on a journey of living abroad, having visas, visas, getting them renewed every year. Like my goal was actually to get citizenship so that I could live freely in France and not have to deal with all the restrictions of the paperwork. And so I set off on this journey of like, well, this is the requirements for citizenship. So I'm just going to do the things that I have to do to stay here. And then I thought, well, if you have a French passport, then you have access to all of the EU. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, then you have Canada and Europe. So like, that's amazing. (laughs) I mean, I've definitely had a love-hate relationship with this country. Like, I don't mean to make it sound like life is amazing here because there's definitely things that drive me nuts, things that I have to accept. (laughs) It's just like the way it is. Um, But, you know, ultimately, like I just have always, like I spoke French growing up in Canada in school. So I... You know, I already spoke the language and it just culturally speaking, I just felt really connected to this country. I like the kind of like joie de vivre and um, the lifestyle, really. And of course, you have to ad- adapt because you're kind of having like an identity crisis between your home country and your adoptive country and trying to find your place <laughs> and all of that.
1: So, yeah. Is life in France, I don't know, a little bit more balanced, shall we say? Like, is there definitely a time for work? And then there's definitely a time to turn off.
0: Yeah. I mean, one of the most shocking things. So, Paris is a little bit more international, but having spent eight years in Nice, which is like, I mean, it's a big city, but it's still kind of like a village. <laughs> and like, it still boggles my mind that a lot of places, like, especially government ransom, I don't know, the post office, the bank, all these places are closed between noon and 2 p.m. Wow. And I just think that's abs- like absurd that <laughs> these large businesses could be closed for two hours in the middle of the day, especially like, so being an entrepreneur, these, these things didn't bug me, but imagine you you have a job and you have to go to the bank during your lunch break, but you can't because the bank's closed because they're having their lunch break. It's just <laughs> like, <laughs> like, what, um, everything like everything is closed on Sunday. It's a ghost town, you know, and you can say, well, there's the, the life balance. And it's like, well, we're living in 2020. So like, it's different in Paris though. Like it's much more, I'm going to say like capitalistic and commercialized. And, um, but I think that you can kind of appreciate that in some senses, like,
1: yeah, yeah. It's it's a difficult balance because I am old enough to remember when things still closed on a, on a Sunday. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yes. Um, and it, it, you're right. It, it blows my mind now that it's okay. It blows my mind that they still close for lunch. But mm-hmm. also in some ways I'm thinking, but it it still kind of works. I'm not sure what I would say the balance should be. I'm not sure what I would say the balance should be, but I kind of like how because you stayed in Nice for, for eight years. So you made it your home. What were the steps you took to make it your home and create your own community?
0: Mm. Yeah, well, I, it, I don't always tell this part of the story, but I like I was with. So I met a boy <laughs> Let's Okay. Just start there. I met a boy when I was 20. And that I think that was a big part of my decision to stay in France because I was like, so in love and so young, you know, it's called your twenties. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, we worked together for five years and his family, like really, like I was really immersed in his family and his culture. And they really just like, I always, his mom was like a second mom to me. And so I always just felt like really like loved and welcomed in that sense. And then You know, also, I think at school, but then a lot of people come and go. Nice isn't really a place where you stay. So I had a lot of friends come and go. And then I think just because I was immersed in the theater and film world, like it becomes a small bubble. So just kind of building a community and then that coincided with me starting my business. So I started to make a name for myself. And this might be like a story for another day, but I ended up kind of boxing myself in that way. And I found myself to be really unhappy. So part of my move to Paris was um, to just kind of get back in alignment with what I really wanted to do. Like, I, I don't have anything against like the small town life and small town living. I just kind of, you know, was born to this life ambitious. And yeah, I felt like I needed a bigger city to um, accomplish the the goals. <laughs> and the
1: no, I love yeah. it. I love it. And also... I I don't, I'm with you as a woman. I don't like the expectation that I am supposed to just be comfortable and happy because I am married and my husband could support me and I don't need, I don't need to work. I, for my own dignity and self-respect and my goals, I actually do need to work. And we only ever make women uncomfortable for stating it. If yeah. a guy said, this place is too small for me, I need to move on to something bigger. Oh, you're going to be so successful. You know, that's the attitude, pat on the back. When a woman says it, it's like, well, you know, you've got to have a choice. It's You can have your career, and I'm doing the air quotes, or uh-huh. yeah, you could settle down and have kids. Like, why do I have to choose? I think that's personal growth, though, that you, you chose that to, to step out and to not choose the safer. Let me use that option.
0: Yeah. Well, I think it goes back to like what your driving forces are as well. Like my work is really driven by impact and I naturally attract clients that way. So people that are coming to me aren't like, teach me how to make money. They're like, teach me how I can make an impact in the world. Like how can I have my voice be heard? And that doesn't have to be on like a big stage or a big platform. It can just be like learning how to express yourself in your relationship. Mm. Um. So yeah, actually, I have yeah. a client right now who um, is a mom, and she was like, "I don't want to stay home raising my kids. Like, I want to contribute to the world." And I'm like, "Yeah, that's. I mean, that's a really good driving force.
1: <laughs> to kind absolutely, of- absolutely. It 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 blows. It it actually irritates me <laughs> when people <laughs> say women have to choose. It it's my pet peeve. So then you move to far- Paris, and then. What? How do you start rebuilding your network, personal and professional, in oh a new God. city? Still on that path right now, but um, I
0: moved here with my ex. We spent a lot of time together and I didn't initially like go out and build a network here. And this is also when I was really, really trying to make my online business work. So I was so online all the time and actually very disconnected from my community. I think now it's only this year I actually put this on my vision board was to get more immersed in my city. Like if I'm gonna be paying this expensive of a rent, then I'm gonna be enjoying the city and exploring it and meeting people and building that network. Otherwise I may as well live like on the countryside. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. Um, I think that was a pitfall of maybe you can relate with this. Like it can just feel really lonely
1: online sometimes. Like, Oh my God. Yes. (laughs) How are you planning towards that picture on the vision board?
0: Well, funny enough, I just kind of like, I wrote it in like on my vision board in my journal. And, you know, I think one of the advantages of, of, on like online communities and Facebook groups is you can meet people. So I have a client who um, flew into Paris and we're filming a brand video. We did a photo shoot. So, and now she's moving here. So it's taking that effort to like actually go out and find people. So I'll, I'll look on like, it can be even be like a meetup, meetup.com, those types of websites. And just really going to different women's groups and like just to meet people to again, have that human contact. And then you never know like, I don't go into it with the mindset of like, Hmm, how can I find a client? Cause that's not how I do things, but yeah. <laughs> um, I go into these types of settings. I'm like, How can I connect? Who can I meet? Because again, so much of film is like who, you know, yeah. and I put out an ad the other day cause I was looking for a cameraman for a short film I'm working on. And I had a girl who was in the same film program as me in Nice back in 20, I don't know, 15. And she's like, Hey, I'm in Paris. Like I'm available. And I was like, yeah, like you just, it's just, it sounds cliche, but it's building those relationships and making that effort to literally have conversations and connect with people without having an agenda behind it.
1: Yes, no, absolutely. So when did you get to the point where you thought I've actually made it? This is no more me just hiding online But now I really feel that I am a viable, strong business. What was that point for you? I think it's a two part, but I've had
0: multiple rock bottom moments in my business, as I'm sure every business owner has.
1: I'm going to ask you about that in a moment.
0: (laughs) Okay. (laughs) side note. Um, I think when I realized that I was like my income was being capped and I was limited and I I really I actually was struggling in my business. I realized that I needed to expand in a different way and what that would require of me, like what level of leadership would that require for me to show up in that way. And then I think the other part was again, just like moving to Paris and recognizing like, if I'm going to live in this big city then and pay this expensive rent, then like I need to be living up to. And and I think that I, I think that I always wanted an international career, like, you know, like the little yes. child dreams you have. But then when you're actually in it, you're terrified and you don't want it and you're running, you're self yes. sabotaging. So I think there was a lot of that, like a lot of destructive patterns and things going on. Um, until I don't want to say that money was a thing, but money can be like a good a teacher, yeah, to, motivator. Yeah. Um, yeah. To push you to the next level. So,
1: yeah. <laughs> But, but thank you because that's what this is about. A lot of people don't want to talk about that. We actually do self-sabotage. Can you tell me about an instance of one of your, your rock bottoms in your business and how you got over it?
0: I'll tell it in a three-part story because I think that they build off of each other. But the first time, so I'm going to drop a little number figures here, but oh. <laughs> I promise there's a point to it. Um, the first time, I remember it was in February of, I don't know if this was two or three years ago now, a few Februarys ago. Mm-hmm. And I just woke up in the middle of the night and I was so anxious. And I was like, why is this so hard in my business? Like, why is this not working? And I remember it was Valentine's Day. And I remember going out to Starbucks and I was just like moping around. And then I got a payment for one of my mentorship programs. And I was like, Oh my God, like this is possible. Like I can do this. So that kind of planted like a first seed of, of confidence. And then it was in June. So just a few months later where I had my first, I'm going to call it an accidental 12 K month. And if you're like, how does someone do that by accident? It's just that you are so unprepared. Do not have the structure to support that many people at a time. And I completely crashed and burned mm-hmm. to the point that it took me almost a whole year mm-hmm. to ever achieve that level, that num- like a ten, um, five figure a month, mm-hmm. because it, it traumatized me because it was it. Yeah. <laughs> and this yeah. is probably not the answer you were expecting, but, no, but um, it's fine. It's awesome. Yeah. So I think it took me a lot of just like, I'm going to call it energetic endurance to build up like what my capacity was. And I think in between time, it's like, again, I was living in Paris and Mm. the lease renewal was coming up and I had never paid this high of a rent
1: Mm. in
0: my life. It's also in euros and I work in dollars. So Mm. let's take off 30% for the exchange rate and then 26% for your taxes here in France, cause it's the highest taxes like ever. <laughs> um, I didn't know how to, I actually had to ask my parents to help me to pay rent one month because I just couldn't figure it out. Yep. But I think that that's what really like propelled me forward because it's like, I have to make this work. And I realized how uncommitted I was to my business because I had this huge stigma around hating online business and coaches. Like that was like the, the, the narrative that I was always telling. And so it was really, really holding me back. And this is not like a a five-step, like this is what you do to overcome this. All I can say is that when I made that decision, I was like, I'm going to renew my lease and I'm just going to figure this out. I have no idea how somehow the universe provided. And like every month after that, I was able to like, that was my goals. Like, how do I pay my rent? How do I pay my main bills? Because I realized before, remember when I was talking about the 24 year old who was like, Oh my Mm -hmm. God, 5,000 a month. Like I, that I need at least that now to live. (laughs) Like that's my minimum. Yeah. Um, I was 24. I only needed like 2,400 or 1200 euros a month to really live like a, a, well, that's pretty low, but like, you know, a decent um, quality of life. So it, the money really, really like pushed me forward to have to, to make this work. And then you just kind of build upon that. Like once you kind of hit those numbers, then I don't want to say you don't slide back down because you definitely can. And I've been there, but you, you just start to build upon it and your confidence grows. And then it's kind of like that energetic minimum where it's like, I can't not earn less than this anymore. So subconsciously you're, you're, because you have that subconscious belief you're then taking the daily actions because you know you have those bills to pay and you know you have something at
1: stake so that's kind of a woo-woo answer but (laughs) that was so how do people contact you what are your preferred ways
0: yeah well my website is untamedrevolution.com and both my facebook and ig are just i am Brittany hammond and like so i am words and um i hang out most on instagram where i just share behind the scenes and daily life and
1: thank you for listening to the enterprising expat you can help the show grow and reach more people by sharing this episode with your friends or supporting us on social media cheers and i'll see you in two weeks